Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, you are good. You are incredibly good to each and every one of us. Your goodness knows no end. Oh, we are forever changed because of the miracle of the gospel, the supernatural power that came and touched each and every one of our lives because you loved us. While we were still sinners, you loved us and sent your son. And we know you because we know your son. And we know your Holy Spirit who is dwelling within us to reveal of us the mysteries of the gospel, to reveal you to us, that we may know you and love you. Be with us tonight. May we know you tonight. May we receive fresh manna from you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I can start off with, this week has been a rather emotional week for me. Um, having announced that we're changing congregations and being repositioned. Um, it's, it's a lot to deal with. It's a lot to process. I've spoken to one or two individuals um, along the journey. And just having to, in some ways, say goodbye. In some ways, acknowledge the relationships that are going to change. Um, and it hurts. <laughs> it, it hurts. Um, and I didn't realize how much it hurts until, you know, you hit a couple of extra bumps along the road and all of a sudden the wheels fall off. Um, and that was what my week was like. Um, things that I could normally take in my stride, I couldn't. And, um, and I just, I, I kind of fell apart. Um, Thursday night I, I phoned Steve and I'm telling, uh, I'm, I'm not, at which point can I pull the plug and say I can't preach? When do I need to let you know? What's my deadline before it's, I've taken too long? Uh, so luckily he gives me lots of grace. But he also gives me lots of wisdom. And he says, just switch everything else off. Go spend time with the Lord. Just don't worry about the preach. Don't worry about what you need to do. Don't worry about what God's calling you to. Don't worry about anything else. Go and enjoy the Lord. Just enjoy his presence. Enjoy his love. Let him minister to you. Let him love you. And we'll see what happens after that. Good advice, huh? Very good advice. But it's also very fitting that he came with that because that's also what I was dealing with is the nature of love. And just a lot of the circumstances, a lot of relationships I was dealing with, I was also thinking about how do we love each other? How are we experiencing the love with one another? And that made me also reflect on how am I experiencing the love of God? And how am I loving, loving God in return? So that's what I want to speak about, is just God's love. Always a good, safe place to go to. But the more i processing, the more I was dealing with this, the more it just dawned on me, actually, we don't have a clue. <laughs> God's love really is beyond our understanding. It really is far more than we can experience, comprehend. And when you think you're getting a grasp of it, you're not even close. I want to start with a scripture, Ephesians 3, verse 14. Um, Ephesians 3, and it's Paul dealing, speaking to the church and why he was called to, to preach the gospel, to let people know about the gospel and the mysteries of the gospel and the manifold wisdom being, being revealed through the church to, to the kingdom, through the dying world. And then we get to verse 17 and we read this. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints 
What is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth? And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Why does he even start with that you have made the strength to comprehend? <laughs> that you may have the strength to comprehend. Guys, this is weighty. This is more than you can handle. It's only through the supernatural spiritual revelation that you can even get a glimmer of this. This is not normal. God's love for you is beyond comprehension, beyond the strength that you have to endure. You only have to look at the, at the Bible that anybody that got close to the presence and the glory of God who fell apart immediately. Woe is me, for I've seen the glory of God. We cannot comprehend it. But by God's grace, we receive the Holy Spirit. We receive forgiveness. We receive and see a God that wants to come close. That wants to sanctify us and purify us so that we may even just get a glimmer of who He is. Because He loves us. Deeply. And He wants us to experience that love. And He's doing everything He possibly can that we may receive His love. While we will still sin, as the Bible says, He sent His Son to die on the cross for us. That we may be redeemed. That we may be rescued. That we may be embraced by His love for us. It's nothing in us. It's nothing that we did. It's nothing of our own glory or that made us special. It's just the unfathomable love of the Father for you. For you. Oh, if we just can get a glimmer of that. If we can just even get close to it. In 1 Corinthians 2, we see another, another way of it that's written. But as it is written... What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. For these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For we know a person, th for who knows a person through, through thoughts except the Spirit of that person, which is in him. So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of, who, of, of who, is, who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart, and we impart this to the word, worlds, not taught by man, human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Sorry, the scripture's not very clear on there. New system, please have grace for us. Guys, it's only through the Spirit that we can even get close to understanding God's love for us. God, in His wisdom, allows us to love one another, allows us to experience love through one another and from one another and towards one another, that we, almost like a training school, can get more understanding of what love is. And that's why God says in His great command is, love the Lord your God with all your strength, mind, and soul, and love one another. Love your brother as yourself. This is helping us to love God. And Jesus furthermore says, anything you do for the least of these, my brethren, you do unto me. It's how we love one another that teaches us how to love God and how to receive that love from God. Psalms are just full of attempts to describe something of what God has done for us. Some of that love, some of that mystery, 
some of that glory. And if we just dwell on it, meditate on it, allow it to soak us in each and every day, we get more of a glimmer of it. Our tanks get filled up a little bit. We don't run dry in busy weeks. And we just overflow with what is endless. For Jesus promised to give us living waters that will never dry up. That we will have life in abundance because of what He deposits in us. Psalm 36, here are some verses. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast you save, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadows of your wing. It's just so beautiful. It is just so incredibly beautiful. And I don't spend enough time meditating on this. I don't spend enough just engaging with the Lord to receive of Him and just appreciate it and just be rejuvenated by it and allow it to permeate who I am, transform who I am. Because when you're loved by the Savior, the Lord God Almighty, you will forever be changed. It is a supernatural power. And this week just testified to me that there are barriers in my life and potentially in yours that limit how we receive that love, limit how we experience that love, limit the extent of that love, because we ourselves are limited. But as we approach those barriers, as we wrestle with those barriers, as we engage with them, God can reveal more of himself to him. God can come closer. God can love not love you more, but you can know more of God's love. And who wants that? <laughs> who wants to experience more of God's love daily, every moment? We all do. So let's dive into some of those barriers. Maybe some of them you identify with. A lot of them I did. So let's dive in together. That was good. Ah. So the very first barrier we need to deal with and be honest with is sin. Plain and simple. Sin separates us from God. That's the story of Genesis all the way through to Revelation. Sin separates us from God. Not that God loves us less. That doesn't happen. That can't happen. God is love. That's the definition of who God is. But sin creates a barrier through which we cannot engage and receive that love personally in our hearts and really be in the shadow of his wing. We have to deal with sin decisively. There is, for an almighty God, there's no room for any sin in us to receive the almighty love that God has for us. If you want more of his love, you can't tolerate any sin in your life. Any sin in your life. Because it all creates a barrier. And you've experienced it in your own lives with one another. You know when you've broken a relationship, when you've made a misstep, Marriage is a great uh, training ground. Kids are a great training ground. They teach us so much about the nature and, and brokenness of relationships. And when we misstep, we create that barrier where it's so difficult to receive. 
this week, I actually had this being so emotionally drained. My wife and I had difficulties. There were moments where we just couldn't have normal conversation with each other. And we've got a great marriage. We really have a marriage that I can celebrate and really cherish. And it's of great support to me. But there was a moment this week where I was parked in the parking lot and I didn't want to go into the house because I just didn't want to deal with it. There was a barrier. The person who loves me the most in this room, I didn't want to enter the house with her because of the barrier that was unresolved. And then you've got a choice to make. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? Just sit in my car and just wait it out, <laughs> hoping it's just going to pass and be forgotten about? And even if it's forgotten about, it's still not the same. You know it's not going to be the same. You know there's only one solution. You have to go in, and you have to go talk and love and deal and wrestle it out. You have to go and ask for forgiveness and receive forgiveness and give forgiveness. You've got to go do the hard work. And those of you laughing now, you know what we're talking about. It's hard work. And it's no different in our relationship with God. Except he's never wrong. It's us. <laughs> if in doubt, it's you. Okay? <laughs> Plain and simple. All right. You can't argue that fact, even though in the car I was trying to. But with God, you can't. You're at fault. But the solution's easy. And the response is guaranteed. He's going to love you back. He's going to receive you. He's going to forgive you. He's going to embrace you again and again and again. So why do we doubt him? Why do we expect a different response? Because life has taught us a different response. Life and these bumps we have with one another has taught us to, to expect differently. But God is not a man like what you and me. He doesn't love like you and I do. He loves extravagantly more than you can comprehend. So we need to settle that. We need to ask for forgiveness. We need to go back to God. We need to bend the knee and receive the forgiveness and receive the love that follows through that. We've got to deal decisively with sin. Another thought I had was the concept of familiarity. Familiarity. Oh, I can't even twist my mouth. Words now. Okay, who can scream that out loud for me? Familiarity. familiarity. Oh. Uh, maybe I should just give the definition. I'm being familiar. There you go. So what do I mean by that? We can get so used to one another in our relationships that we take each other for granted. All right? We forget to love one another. We forget to see what others do as loving actions towards us. Simple example. I have a joy of bringing my wife coffee every morning. There's great joy in me doing it, mostly because of her response. Her response is gratitude and joy and just happiness. And I receive so much love from her in just bringing a simple cup of coffee. Guess what I'm going to do again tomorrow? Bring that cup of coffee. <laughs> it's so easy because I receive the love from it. But as soon as she starts taking it for granted, as soon as she's going, hey, you forgot the coffee, as soon as I don't get a response anymore, Sure, I'm not receiving it anymore. I'm not, the love is gone. The action hasn't changed, but the response has. And all of a sudden, there's no more love there. Do you know that God's goodness is renewed every morning? His love is fresh every day. 
He's there every single day, and we don't give him that credit. What has he done for you lately? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> Have you acknowledged it? Have you reached out and said thank you? Have you gone in awe and saying, sure, again, you've blessed me? Because he has in everything, in every single way. This reminded me of the story when Jesus went to the town of Nazareth, where he came from. And the people there responded with, but isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this Mary's son? Isn't his sisters and his brothers with us? Effectively speaking, but we know you. We are familiar to one another. We can't receive from you. And the Bible even goes on and says, and Jesus couldn't do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. We can limit what God can do and we can limit what, God, what we receive from God simply because we find it normal, familiar. It's just expected. And God wants to love extravagantly. But we need to honor him for that and respond to that and ascribe greatness to our Lord. Um, another one um, came up in, in before our elders meeting now, just before the service. What is our expectation of love from the Lord? I got saved, he rescued me, and now I'll just hold on to my salvation, but that, that was good. I'm happy with that. Right now, I'll just stay in my corner and, and be safe. I'm not expecting anything more from the loving Father. I'm not expecting any more goodness from Him. I'm not expecting any more love from Him. He's done it all already. That was enough. So I don't ask Him for anything. I don't reach out to Him for anything. I don't go to Him in my time of need you know, or my time of sorrow. I don't share my joys and my tribulations with Him because I don't expect anything more from Him. That is not correct. <laughs> We can expect the world from us, from him. He's a God that loves to give good gifts to those who love him. He cherishes you. He loves you. He adores you. He wants to spoil you rotten. And it's like Solomon who says that he wants wisdom. And God says, okay, because you want wisdom, I'm going to give you all the other stuff as well. Like David, he says, oh, who am I? And God says, well, you're awesome in my sight. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your generations and your kingdoms forever. And Christ is born through David lineage. God gives abundantly more than you can imagine, but are you expecting it? And if you're not expecting it, you also won't receive it, because you don't see it. Our expectation will open our eyes to what God's doing. For example, if I went on a long trip and I came home, what is the expectation of my family when I get home? That I just go into my room and say, hi, <laughs> what are they expecting? What am I expecting when I walk in the door? I'm expecting hugs and kisses and joy and laughter. I'm expecting to be celebrated. I'm expecting to celebrate them. I'm looking forward to that moment. I've got anticipation for that moment. And then, of course, the moment happens because that's what love is. But if you don't expect it, if life has taught you differently because of our brokenness with one another, what are you expecting when you walk into the Father's house today? What were you expecting? <laughs> were you expecting to have his love embrace you like a warm blanket? Because that's what our Father is. Our expectations are a barrier. Another big one would be 
are we willing to accept it? The Bible, David goes, who am I? <laughs> who am I that you should love me so much? But that's not a negative. That's just an honest statement of who, who am I? But, God, but David also knew who God was. And he knew God loves extravagantly. He knows God loves extraordinary. That God's love is intentional. And that God loves not because of who David is, but because of who God is. But our own self-worth could negate receiving love. But I'm not worthy to be loved. I'm not worthy to be loved at all. Because that's what happens in our relationships. And a lot of people have broken relationships with fathers, with families, with friends, and then withdraw from society, withdraw from emotions, shut themselves off, close themselves off, block themselves, because life has taught them they're not worthy. Well, in some aspect you're true, but it's because of God's love for you that you're worthy. There's nothing in and of yourself that makes you worthy. It is God's love for you, and because you're created in His image, that you are worthy. And because of that, that status cannot be changed. You, that can't be taken away from you because it's God that did it. And it's not of anything that you did that makes you worthy. So it's not your actions, not your responses, not your greatness or your use of the talents. It is His work in you. He loves you. And if you can see that and break down those lies of the enemy that says you are not worthy to be loved. If only God really knew me. He does, trust me. <laughs> he knows you better than you know yourself. And he still loves you. That's not going to change. We just need to receive it and accept it. And believe the truth. He loves you. Dearly. Another one that I realized, especially in my relationship with one another, is how do I position myself to receive love? I can have a lot of people who love me, but if I don't make myself available to you, how are you actually going to express that love? How am I actually going to receive that love? If my front door is locked and my telephone is off, it's really hard for you to love me. <laughs> but if I am intentional about including you in my life, you've got great opportunities to love me. A simple thing like inviting people for Formula One or the rugby, okay? So for the rugby, for this, honestly, do you watch it alone or do you intentionally look for other people to enjoy it with you? Those are great opportunities to love one another, to share lives together, to go through trauma and heartache and pain, <laughs> And then they have a five-minute rescue at the end. <laughs> Those are bonding moments. They are great. But they don't happen by accident. That's you positioning yourself in once amongst each other. That's you positioning each other on a Sunday, to position yourself to go on a Wednesday, to look for those opportunities of parties and any excuse just to be amongst one another, to get loved by one another. Now, that's same with God. God's love is there. But if you're so busy with your day and your work and your other stuff, you're not going to be in that moment to enjoy it. Sharing moments like this in worship are easier ways where you just feel God's love. You position yourself there. But you know because God breaks through differently in those moments. It becomes easier. 
regular times in the morning with the Lord, it becomes easier to receive God's love. Instead of waking up half an hour late and going, oh, no time, got in the car and run out, grab my phone in the first thing in the morning, and I'm on to the next task. I've just lost opportunities to position myself in God's love. And therefore, I don't see it, I don't feel it, I don't receive it. The analogy for me is also like the prodigal son. We don't know what we don't know. And I'm not talking about the prodigal son who ran away. I'm talking about the one, the older brother who stayed behind. He was so the norm for him to be in the father's house. He didn't realize what he had in the father's house. He didn't see that everything the father had was his. He didn't see that the father had already given him everything. And he could enjoy it with the Father and celebrate with the Father. And that he actually had the Father <laughs> all those times. It was the perspective that he didn't see what he already had and therefore couldn't enjoy what he had so abundantly. Mm. Another dangerous one is we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. Now, how does that play out? Who are you to love me? <laughs> I'm more special than you think. All right? So we can make ourselves higher than the people around us. Uh, celebrity status type of thing, or I'm better than you, so you know, your love actually means nothing to me. That's in the world. But in God, we can do the same thing. I'm not actually that bad. <laughs> God's love is not that amazing. I mean, he didn't rescue me from that much. I didn't need that. I wasn't that far astray. I'm not as bad as the other guy. All you've done is you limited your own understanding of what God's love actually did for you. For you're thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to. God's love is far bigger than you think, and you are far worse than you think. <laughs> you can't afford to limit God's love because you think you're better than you actually are. I was thinking of this analogy, how, how far is that spectrum, actually? And I was reminded of um, uh, me playing with ants as a kid. Now, I grew up before cell phones and iPads, and, and TV was actually not that often. It was only like at 3 to 4 o'clock in the afternoon you could watch any TV. And um, my mom tells me that I was very young. I used to sit in front of the tumble dryer. That was entertainment. <laughs> so I remember playing with the ants, and monitoring them and doing studies and filling up holes and pouring down water and looking at them under a magnifying glass and doing experiments and discovering things. Like One of the things I discovered while looking at the ants under the magnifying glass is they really don't like being in the sun that much. They seem to burn when they're highly exposed to sunlight. Who knew? <laughs> but even as an adult, the ants try and invade our house and then we hunt them down. We chase them in the kitchens and in the bedrooms and we find them. And then we see the whole trail and we hunt them down with a doom can and we chase them. And then two, three years ago, we found them in the stereo player in my daughter's room. They had made a nest there. It was covered, the whole thing. But we got the better of them. And a bucket with vinegar and water and we drowned that whole thing. Destroying that whole nest with great joy and glee was we'd won. 
But I was thinking to myself, in perspective, an ant to me is nothing. I don't have love for an ant. <laughs> in fact, I've got a bit of animosity towards an ant. <laughs> but the gap is massive. That isn't even come close to the gap between us and God. In any scale you want to put yourself on, it's not sufficient. We can't put ourselves on any scale towards God. It doesn't work. But our God loves us. Not because of our position. Not because of any greatness in us. Our God loves us because He loves. He is love. He describes Himself as a God of love. We cannot think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. When we see our own frailty, when we see our own brokenness, when we see our own need for rescue, and we see the answer is Jesus, how can we not but just relish the joy of His love, His beauty, His joy every morning, and go, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus for what you've done on the cross. And then like many other big of the saints in the Bible, we can go, God, show us your glory. If I found favor in you, Moses said, show me your ways that I may serve you better. David says, search me, O Lord. If there's any iniquity in me, may I know it so that I can deal with it and deal with that sin so I can be closer to you. God, help me in every single way because I want more of you in every single way. And that's where we need one another. That's where we encourage one another. That's where we learn from our mistakes with one another. For those mistakes reveal our own brokenness. Those mistakes reveal cracks in our own thinking of love. We can practice loving one another, not just when there's need, but loving each other when there's no need, just because I love you. It's not just because you're sick that I bring you a meal. It's not just because there's a need that I come solve it. It's because you're in my life. I want you in my life. Come. I'll bring. I'll share. I'll, I, I want to contribute. I just want to be there with love. That's what we practice with one another so we can enjoy it with the Lord. And as we enjoy it with the Lord, it will flow out to one another. Love the Lord your God. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do not separate these in any form or fashion so that we can really enjoy God's extreme, abundant, never-ending, all-consuming love for you and me. So as I process this with you, I'm hoping you can identify some areas where you have limited your understanding of God and your experience of love of the Father. We started the service as saying, do you want more? And we all responded with, yes, we want more of God's love. So what are you going to do about it? <laughs> we need to touch each and every of these areas and question God, is there anything in me that needs changing? Is there anything in me that needs growing? adapting? Do you want to use others in my life to shape me so that I can experience more of your love? 
Do you want me to go do things to go love others so I understand more of your love for me? Do you want me to give? Do you want me to sow? Do you want me to reap? Do you want me to harvest? What do you want me to do or change or know or confess? <laughs> so that your love for me is overwhelming me and that I will be forever changed. So as we switch off the lights, I want to give the opportunity for the first group of people, those who might be that far away from God's love at this moment in time, that they actually can't receive it at all. They might not have ever accepted that they need the love of the Father, that they need the saving grace of Christ crucified on the cross for them to come deal with their shortcomings, their sin, the Bible calls it. That without it, they can never experience what God has truly done for them. And hopefully now you've got a sense of what God's doing for you, that He's reaching out to you right now while you're still a sinner. He's saying, but I love you. I created you. I adore you and I have more for you. Would you accept the free gift of salvation? Would you accept that Jesus Christ came to die for you so that you and I can be restored into perfect relationship today, tomorrow, and into eternity? It requires you to respond to that calling.